0: Well, good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, awesome. Hey, if we haven't met yet, I am uh, Paul Dacus, one of the elders. Uh, it's great to see new faces here. I feel like this is a sea of people this way. It's awesome. Uh, I'm the, one of the elders here, uh, the student's pastor as well. Shameless plug, uh, students every Sunday night. If you have a middle schooler, high schooler, yeah, I see a fist pump in the back. That's what I'm talking about. 5 to 8 p.m., Here at the Refuge, uh, like I said, middle school, high school, please come check it out. So, hey, once again, you will need a physical Bible. Do not be ashamed to come get a physical Bible or your app, but we're going to be, I won't have the uh, scripture on screen today, Uh, but we're going to be continuing in our series on the Minor Prophets, and uh, uh, this is, I've got some good news. This is the shortest book in the Old Testament, and all God's people said. (laughs) This is also the last week that I will be up here preaching in front of you uh, during this series, uh, and all God's people said. Oh, it's a test, it's a test. Uh, no, so I'm excited. Next week we're going to be going through uh, Jonah, Paul, the other Paul is going to be up here. I'm excited for that. But today we're going to be in the book of Obadiah, if you have your Bibles, the book of Obadiah. Uh, so there was some controversy this past week. Um, so we, we covered a lot last week in Amos, right? Nine chapters uh, we say we value expository preaching here. Uh, I told you all we were going to do so, like do an overview and then pick apart those specific scriptures. Uh, but it was brought to my attention that in Amos uh, I skipped over something uh, that somebody said was um, something that I needed to hear. Uh, it's where God talks about destruction and the embaldness. Uh, so I'll read you, just to be fair. Um, It says, I will bring sackcloth on every waist, I will bring baldness on every head. And I skipped over that last week, Um, maybe. But since we're using verses out of context, I'm going to do a little rebuttal here. We're going to go to Psalm 133 that says, the song of the ascents of David. Behold, how good and pleasant is it when brothers dwell in unity. It is like precious oil on the head running down the beard. Get him. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So we're gonna, like I said, we're going to be in Obadiah, shortest book of the Old Testament. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it short. Last week, my notes were 16 pages. Today's eight. I went 57 uh, minutes last week, so hopefully we'll be at about 30 today. Probably won't. But, yeah, exactly. I heard somebody last week, we always say uh, when we leave, what are we? Somebody said, somebody said hungry. I was like, I felt that. I felt it. That was good. Uh, all right, start us off. I want you all to think of some one-hit wonders, musical one-hit wonders. See, so don't even know that one. What is it? Nope. Nope. Happy birthday. Ooh, that's up, man? Any others? Merry Christmas. Okay. All right. Here's here's a list that I had. Who knows any songs from Los Del Rio? Who wants to dance it? That is the Macarena. Uh, What about, oh gosh, this is so good. My wife told me I can't sing from up here, but uh, the Baja Men. Who let the dogs out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vanilla Ice. Ice, ice, baby, right? Uh, The Tokens. This one's probably a little more difficult. The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Yeah, the Lion Sleeps Tonight. And then Bobby McFerrin. You've probably more heard it from, uh, uh, there you go. Man, y'all are about to break out in song over here. Yes, so today we are in Obadiah. Obadiah is a one-hit wonder. We don't know a lot about Obadiah. Again, these are prophets. We don't need to know a lot about them. We know that these are mouthpieces uh, for God. We know that Obadiah means servant of the Lord. That is what his name means, servant of the Lord. Uh, we don't, it doesn't exactly address Israel in this in this text, either uh, we've gone through. There's going to be a lot of themes that are through the rest of the minor prophets, but we don't see some of the same themes. This one is again all judgment on Edom, so we're going to see a lot of uh, judgment again. Uh, but we need to go through. Help us! I'm going to be drawing. Uh, we need to go through a little bit of uh, backstory to this. So uh, starting with what color are we going with today? I always ask my students. Let's do green. I'm feeling green today. So up here at the top. whoops We have Abraham, who is his wife? Sarah, right? Then from there, who is next? Who is their kid? There we go. Isaac, who is his wife? Okay, H. And then who from there, who did they have? Sons. There you go. Jacob and Esau. Okay, so from here... This is where we come into today's text. So who was, who, who was the nation from Jacob? Israel, right? So that's Israel. And then what about Esau? Edom. So this is where we're at today. So this is a judgment on Edom here. And so you'll hear in, this, in the scripture, it's referred to Esau or Edom. So when you hear Esau, it's just talking about Edom and his four, the forefathers of Edom. Y'all are right. When I turn to the left, it does cut out. Uh, so what was the big overarching theme of Genesis? We spent, how long do we spend in that? Six years. Six years. Yeah, probably. <laughs> what was the overarching theme? Anybody remember? God always keeps his promises, right? So we're going to see, it's awesome. We're going to see that in Obadiah, and it's already talking just through some of the language in here. So, if you'll remember, uh, so there was, the bat- there was the battle between Jacob and Esau, right? So, they're brothers. Anybody here have a brother? Anybody ever fight with their brother? So, this is, this is still happening today uh, through Jacob and Esau, through the Israelis and the, uh, the Arabs. So, it's something that is continuing on. But again, we're going to see that God always keeps his promises. You know, you maybe remember the story of the birthright. How, uh, how Esau sold his birthright uh, for a bowl of soup. He was out, in the, he was out uh, hunting, he was famished, and he, bowl, he uh, uh, sold his birthright to his brother for a bowl of soup. Red soup, which also Edom means red. A little fun fact there. Uh, not a coincidence. Um, but hey, so this is something just to remember as we continue here that this is who we're talking about, judgment on Edom. Uh, y'all know I like to give the main points right up front. So here they are, something to think on, Uh, As we go through these. So, first one, this world will fail. The Lord will prevail. Yes, it rhymes. If you know the right thing to do and don't do it, you are in sin. Only the Holy Spirit can produce fruit. And then lastly, we're left with, again, hope that Jesus drank the full cup of God's wrath for you. This is good news. Let me pray for us and then we'll get into the text this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, thank you that we get to come together as a church body to worship you, to be in your word, to abide in your word. God, through this book, would you teach us something new this morning? God, would your people be edified? God, we lift your name high. As we sing, you are the name above all names. God, work through me. Let let me disappear. Keep me from error, Lord, but let your word remain this morning. I might need a backup, guys. All right, so we're going to jump right into the book of Obadiah. If you are there, uh, we're starting in verse one. I've always had all the other slides, Obadiah 1, Obadiah 2, Obadiah 3, but there's only one. So we're going to have just that one today. So this is the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord concerning Edom. Now remember what we talked about. What is, where is Edom? What is Edom? So actually today too, that is modern day Jordan, uh, present day Jordan. We'll come back to that. Uh, we have heard a report from the Lord and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for batter, battle, her being Edom. So uh, let me just go through this real quick. So you, we saw this last week. You remember the target that was dri- that was uh, around uh, Israel? So remember he was judging all the different nations around. Today, here is, can you all see that? Here's the one down here. So this is where Edom is. Again, today it is modern day um, Jordan is where that is. Uh, who here's seen all the Indiana Jones movies? Okay, so you'll probably recognize... Uh, this from there. So, uh, well, here, actually, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Let me continue. Uh, so, verse, uh, verse 2 Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like an eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down declares the Lord. So this part, this area here, the, the clefts of the rock, he says, uh, to the, pr- the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, this is a physical place. This is Petra. Has anybody been been there to Jordan or to... Yeah, that's awesome. I, I want to go one day. Uh, so Petra is the, is the capital city. It's high up in the mountain. So if you know anything about warfare, uh, it's good to have the high ground on your enemy. So they are, they're high up in the rocks, and it says, in the clefts of the rocks... So not only are they high up, but they would have to get through. The armies who would try to attack them would have to get through these little uh, clefts in the rock. They said that an army of 12 could uh, bring down, or 12 people could bring down a whole army because they would all have to get through these just to get to them. Maybe you recognize this. This is the the gateway there, the front of it. Uh, But just to put some perspective. And there they are, high up on the rocks. I may need this. We'll see. So high up there, again, enemies, hard to, it is very hard. They thought at the time, impenetrable. And this is what the Lord is saying to them. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. So he says to the pride, it's their pride, they think they're impenetrable. They think that because they're high up and because they are, nobody has attacked them, that they are un, uh, they, no one can conquer them. The Lord is saying, "I will bring you down." And we've seen, this, uh, we've seen this theme multiple times in the Bible that God brings down the proud, right? He's doing it again here. So as we said, this is not, this is not different from today. This is not different in our lives. this is not different from the US. This is not different from any mighty country, any mighty power. God is not impressed. He can bring them down. That is the power of our God. Amen? The world will fail. The Lord will prevail. And this is true today as well with, with this specific uh, place. How many Edomites do you know today? They gone. You will not find any. They've shifted around, they've moved, but there's no Edomites. Again, what was it in Genesis? God always keeps his promises. What God said he will do, he did. His people, how many Israelis are out there? A lot, right? They're there. His people remain. Verse 5 continues. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night... How you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not only leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasure sought out. All of your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They've prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom in understanding out of Mount Esau. So again, remember, just to put this in perspective, so this is judgment on Esau for what, he, what Esau has done to Israel and to the other nations. What he's saying here is that in the first part, if plunders came by night, how, they, how, how you have been destroyed, would they not steal only enough for themselves? This is if somebody came and robbed your house, would they not only just take what they need, or what, not what they need, but what they want, but they leave something over, right? He's saying you will be utterly destroyed. All will be destroyed. Again, seeing this big God, this is one of the, the big themes of what we're going through, seeing this big God, that who he is against, he will utterly destroy. This judgment, he says, will be way worse than anything you will ever see. Nothing will be left over when God is done with it. we feeling good yet? Verse ten: Because of the violence done to you, to your—see me. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. If you're in your Bible, uh, underline forever. On that, on the day that you stood aloof, I want you to underline stood aloof as well. We'll come back to that. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates. And cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother, in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people on the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. And do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. So here's where we're going to camp out for a little bit today. I had you underline forever. Again, we've already talked about this. This, is already, this part has already happened. Edom has been cut off forever. God has kept his promise. And I think that's something that God is trying to bring out in this. Again, you underlined stood aloof. Interesting wording. On that day you stood aloof aloof. What does that mean? So they committed sin. They committed this violence, not only by attacking, but by not it. Does that make sense? They stood by when, when other nations were being attacked, they stood by. I think that's applicable uh, to today. Did you know, again, one of the verse or one of the, uh, um, one of the points is that you can sin by not doing anything. Anybody ever experienced that to be true or know that to be true? You can sin by doing nothing. If you have your Bible, uh, turn real quick to James 4.17. We'll talk about this. James 4.17. And while you're turning there, I want you to just think about this. Just take a second, step back. Is there something that God is calling you to do today that you're not doing? Is there something that he's, that you, some injustice that you've seen that you're not acting on? Is there some calling in your life that he's calling you to, that you're not acting on? Is there something that you've seen that's wrong that you're failing to step in on? James 4.17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. You know, it's, it's interesting that the Lord brought me to this Text uh, because if you read up if you're in your Bibles if you read up a couple of verses uh, this is very applicable to today to the scripture as well uh, this is kind of a bonus sermon but if you if you read up it's talking about how do not say tomorrow we will go and do this instead what does it say if you're in your if you're in your Bibles what does it say say it a little bit louder yeah if the Lord wills. We will live. How arrogant we are today to plan and to say we will go and do this and this without submitting it to the Lord, right? It's not, it's not unbiblical to plan, right? Planning is a good thing. But if it's not submitted to the Lord, I can completely destroy it. And he will not honor that. But he is in it and over all that. But I just love how that was in that same verse. It says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. He's also saying... Submit all your plans to Him. So, again, I'll ask that question Is there something in your life that you're not doing today? Just like in, in these verses where they just stood aloof, they just didn't do something, they committed that act of violence by not doing something. Just think on that today. Going back to verse 12. But do not, do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in their day of ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Thought well, this was very interesting that God is also calling them not to gloat in all the destruction, not to when they see other, others around them dist- uh, being destroyed. He says, do not gloat in this. And I was thinking for us today. Uh, apart from the grace of God, we rejoice in some other people's failures. Am I right? Especially those who we want to see fail, people who have wronged us. Am I alone on this? So how do we respond to someone who wrongs us? How do you respond to an enemy of yours? Just think about that. Also, don't think too big. Like, think about for for students, we've talked about this, uh, your teachers. You may see them as an enemy. Pretty sure they're they're not, but say you do see them as an enemy. How do you how do you respond to them when you're mad with them, mad at them? You know, we've prayed over teachers. We have prayed over tough teachers uh, in students' lives. Um, what about someone who cuts you off? Someone who cuts you off today on the way to uh, to the refuge? How do you respond to them? What about uh yeah your ex? What about a bad business partner? What about someone who has stolen money from you? What about a Democrat? (laughs) What about a Republican? Independents, they're pretty much, you know. I think of that fail video I was, I've watched uh, this past week. My kids are really into the, uh, the fail army videos. There's something inside of us that just likes to see people fail, right? Anybody watch those where, you know, it's people that are just falling down all the time? And, you know, that's a, that's a lighthearted um, example of this. But um, is it actually, is that, is that funny to us? So think of someone who has caused deep, deep hurt to you. How have you responded to them? How, what about somebody who has destroyed multiple relationships in your family? I'm dealing with that right now. How do we respond to them? I think the number one is prayer. Right? Prayer for them, prayer for us, and our hearts for a changed heart to see them. Even if, say, they are you know maybe it's a family member, maybe it's your sworn enemy. We are still to pray. Ask God to change our heart to see them differently. I was thinking about this uh, just being vulnerable here when uh, Osama bin Laden was killed. Does anybody remember that day, seeing that on the news? Man, I was, he was the reason I went into the military. Uh, when, on 9-11, when I was 11 years old, I remember thinking, if this man is still there, I'm going to, get, I'm going to go into the military and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to serve. And, uh, you know, of course, when you're that age, you're like, I'm going to be the one to hunt him down. Uh, You'd have to be a Navy SEAL for that. But I remember on that day that he was killed, uh, I was rejoicing. I was so happy. We saw people in the streets and everything like that. And uh, my wife, now wife, uh, wasn't at the time, uh, she called me out on it. Uh, Really, it was kind of what she was thinking, but she was also like, why are you rejoicing in this? You remember that? And I was like, it caused me to step back and think about it. Why was I rejoicing over this? Yes, there was justice, sir. But I wasn't broken for everything else. I was just like, man, this is, they got him. We got him, right? But was I broken? Are we broken for the sins of the world? It caused me to step back and think, yes, we should, we should celebrate when there's justice, but we need to be, as Christians, more broken over sin. So we pray we become broken. Proverbs 24, 17 through 18 says, Do not rejoice. This is similar to what we just read. 24, 17, 18 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and not, let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased, and turn away his anger from him. I was thinking about another uh, kind of a funny side story. Um, anybody driven? What is that? Seventy down Galloway from uh, through Arlington, uh, through to Galloway. What's the next one? Goes all the way out to, to Mason, right? Thank you. Um, uh, we never speed there, right? No one's ever sped there. Yeah. Um, yeah there's a the part where it drops from. I don't even know. See, I still to this day don't even know. But I was speeding. It was a it was a beautiful afternoon. Uh, we had some some music going on. Larissa's next to me, hair blown in the wind. I was like, man, this is just so great like what a great moment I remember thinking I was like this is just a nice moment it's a beautiful day outside and then I'm driving and I see this white car I'm like and you know when time slows down when you're just like in your mind you're like it's a white car it's not going to light up it's just sitting there it's probably like it's in a trailer park it's not you know it's it's a bit all that happened within a split second and then the lights go off and you know what's going on when that happens right and he caught me man. He caught me. I was like, I have no idea what the speed limit is. It's probably, you know, but I was, I was just, I wasn't focused on it. And he pulls me over, and, uh, you know, I, I told him I, have a, I had a Florida license. I was like, I just got out of the military. I'm switching it over. I'm a pastor now at the Refuge Church. I'm like, why did I just tell him where I go to church? <laughs> you know, maybe I should, you know. Uh, and I'm like explaining my life story. You can do that. You just don't know why. And uh, he says... Uh, so he let me off, but he said, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I pulled over a few people from Refuge before. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So uh, I gave him our card, and uh, we've been, you know, hoping, I think uh, Nick's actually texted him and stuff. So uh, uh, Officer Carter, if you're listening, uh, or if you listen to this, man, we want you here, but... Um, you know, what, it was, what made me think of that was that, you know, we see the people that we, uh, that speed past you, and you're like, then you see a cop down there that gets them, and you're like, yes, you know. But how often do we uh, speed? How often do we, like, we are the ones. So the whole point of this, be broken in sin. Mourn in your own sin. Pray for your enemies. Do not gloat, lest the Lord turn his judgment on you. But this is hard, too, right? This is not something that comes natural to us. We need God's grace. We need, uh, we need the Holy Spirit to do this. We want to be glad in those things. We want justice. We want revenge. The, Lord's, or the, the Bible says that vengeance is his. So we need to pray, yes, for the other person. We need to pray for ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to produce this in us. You will not do this on your own. Ask the Holy Spirit to produce this good fruit in you. See, the flesh wants revenge, the spirit wants blessing. The flesh wants revenge. The spirit wants blessing, prayer. The enemy wants to kick you while you're down. It wants to kick others while they're down. What does God do in those, in those circumstances? When the enemy kicks while they're down, God brings justice, but he brings mercy and grace. Don't let the enemy have the victory. He wants you to stay there. He wants you to stay in that spot where you just want that, that revenge, but God wants you in a different spot of grace and mercy. The point of this, remember, as Christians, we are not to look down on. And I've heard, this, I've heard this said before that, you know, so once you're a Christian that you should be looking down, and maybe we've talked about this, at least in students, where you're looking down and you're bringing people up with you. I think that's the wrong the wrong view. We need to be both down with the person, both looking up, right? So we're not, we're not bringing people up and then showing them we are down with them. We are the same way as Christians. You are just as much a sinner as that person that you are praying for. You just know where to go, right? So we're both down, two people standing side by side, looking up, not bringing another one up with us. Both of us looking down, looking at, uh, at Jesus, at the cross, it put this way, that we are just beggars looking for bread, but we know where that bread is. We are just sick people, we're all sick people, but we know where the doctor is, amen? Or for some of you, where the essential oils are. (laughs) This can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, I just ask you to pray against the pray against the flesh this morning. Ask for a changed heart. You need to see it in yourself first. I need to see it in myself first. Verse fifteen: The day of the Lord is near. Who remembers uh, the day of the Lord? What we remember, we've gone through two uh, two weeks previous. What are the two? When we think day of the Lord, what are we thinking? I think I heard it. Day is so a destruction or salvation, right? We're going to come back to that, but it says the day of the Lord is near for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations as you've done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head for as you have drunk on my holy mountain. So all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape. And it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them. And there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. For the Lord has spoken. It is final. In Edom, no survivors. So again, we said destruction or salvation for the day of the Lord. Good for some, terrible for others. This idea at the beginning, for the day, uh, verse 16, For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. Does that, does that idea of the cup ring a bell? We see that in Jesus, right? That drinking of the cup. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 26. Uh, 39, 26, 39. Matthew 26. So he says, for, this is from this, uh, as you're turning there, for as is have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. This idea of the cup of God's wrath. What does this look like? It's the same verbiage used, the same original text, or excuse me, same, same translation uh, as in Matthew 26, 39. Obviously, uh, different, different languages. But verse 38, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to start in verse 38. He said to them, this is Jesus, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and praying, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 42, continue down again for the second time. He went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it your will be done. He's talking about this same cup, the same cup of God's wrath, right? This, is, this wrath will be poured out. It is being poured out on Edom in the Old Testament. It was poured out on Jesus. And he's saying, this is how serious this cup of God's wrath is, is that he's saying, if there's any other way, take it away from me, but not my will, but your will. And that's Jesus saying that. That's the, the cup is your sin. It's my sin. It's the wrath of God that needs, somebody must pay. The good news is Jesus drank this. As it says in the Old Testament, they shall drink and swallow. Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus drank this, swallowed this. He lived perfectly. He drank this cup. He died and then he rose again for you. All of your sins. Say all with me. All of your sins are forgiven. All of it was poured out on Jesus. He drank this cup for you and me, but it was so terrible that he was even here showing us in the way he prayed how terrible this is. It's not something to be taken lightly, but he took it so that you and I can be light today. Amen? Every sin, all sin, Put on Jesus. We also get a, a glimpse of hope. He says, but on Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape. Remember last week we talked about the remnant. There's a remnant. God always saving a little bit of his people. He says, there shall be some of those who escape. Not talking about the Edomites. They will be utterly destroyed. But it shows us that God saves his people and eliminates those who oppose him. Nobody against God will stand. So the takeaway again, same as last week, Christian, you will get bruised. You will get broken, but you will not be destroyed. You will not be destroyed. God is saving his people. He is preserving his people. Israel, God's chosen people, has been attacked throughout history, right? We know this. They're continually attacked over and over. They're still being attacked today, but are they there? Yes, they're still there. We come to this final part in the book of Obadiah, verse 19 the kingdom of the Lord. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines, and they shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria. And Benjamin, Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel, shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, Jesus. And the exiles of Jerusalem, who are in Sheparad, shall possess the cities of Negev. This is the key part here. Savior, or Savior shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. The last verse, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. What an incredible way to end this book. Savior shall go up to the Mount Zion, go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau. Again, remember, what is Esau? Y'all awake? What's Esau? Edom, thank you. Edom. Savior shall go to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, to Mount Edom, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's forever. Again, this point is true then, true now. The kingdom will be the Lord, shall be the Lord's. So look at all these powerful nations. Think of all the nations throughout history, all the great kingdoms throughout history. Think of, think of Rome. Think of the United States. Make no mistake, I've, been, I've said this before and we know this. That the U.S. will fall one way or another. We will fall as great as we are. We we are nothing compared to a holy God. But look at all the other nations who have been too big to fail. And God has brought them down. But he says that it will be his. And if we are his people, he will preserve us. I love the way that John Piper put this. Zion, the city of God, shall be holy. And it will be filled not with people who have never sinned but with people who have been broken and humbled by their sin, have thrown themselves for mercy on Jesus and have come to love him more than anything and any person in the world because he loved us and gave himself for us. My friends, this is what eternity will look like. Not sinless people by our own merits, but because of Jesus. People who are humbled, who are broken. That's who will be in eternity and what an amazing place it will be. Some of this is yet to happen. Some of this has already happened. We see that we see some of this already come true with the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, yet we still wait for the more to come. Uh, hopefully we've seen the last three weeks and, and before uh, and always in every sermon, hopefully we see this big God, this God that can crush but yet he saves. You know, we've, heard the, we've heard the term fear of the Lord, right? We, we've talked about that. The fear of the Lord, I, I, I love to think of it, um, you know, I, I rarely get through without talking about interstellar. Anybody seen that interstellar? The giant wave, right? The giant wave that's coming, that is looking up at it, that that giant wave is God's wrath, but you are, if you're in this like bubble and you're protected, you can be in awe of that wave, but not crushed by it. But here's the truth today. No sin will go away unpunished, right? No sin will go unpunished, but that has already been laid on Jesus. So this day of the Lord, just to bring this all back as we close, this day of the Lord, destruction or salvation, think of it also as judgment or salvation. He's coming to judge. He is judging, but who are you putting your trust in today? Are you putting it in your own merits and your own good works are you putting it on jesus we've already talked about he has drank that cup he's he's had that wrath has been poured out on someone that someone being jesus see judgment is the sinner getting what they deserve we deserve this wrath just as the edomites deserve they got what they deserved salvation says that the sinner gets what they don't deserve we get to put on jesus how crazy is that think about that we we, i know we we preach this every week but it's just still we need to have our minds blown by that that we get if we get to put our trust in jesus we don't just we don't it's not like we're just like turned into this this sinless person on our own but we get to put on everything that jesus gives we get his righteousness we are heirs with him The Bible says there are no Jew or Greek, that we are all one in Jesus. Amen? If you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring. If you're heirs to his promise, you get everything that he gives. You get everything of who he is. So when God sees you, he sees Jesus. So today, again, as we close, I just want to ask, if you're a Christian today... And you're 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 just you're not fully embracing all that God has for you. If you're not fully leaning on Jesus, turn to him today. The last two weeks we talked about return to the Lord. He may be using things in your life to make you return to him, turn back to him. And if you're not a Christian, same thing, turn to him, but why? We read it in Amos because he is merciful just to forgive because of his son. He's Full of grace. We love, we'll have, we have all four pastors here today. Scott's here, call you out. We have all four of our pastors here today. We would love nothing more than to, to talk to anybody here who wants to learn more about this walk with Jesus.